Hello, welcome back. Today, we have a story that I think is already familiar to you. Today, we'll be hearing part two of the first story we ever told, Crystal Rain. Where we left off in the last part, our protagonist, Anne, had just witnessed the destruction of her city. She is the sole survivor of her people. What would you do? Let's see what she does. We are around the campfire, and this is where our story begins. She sat for a long while until the enemy airships were just a few black spots on the horizon and the rainbow god a dark smudge against the grey. Her feet dangled above the tips of the crystals below her. Her mind was blank, but her senses were stimulated by the smells, sounds, and sights of the cataclysm and the warm breeze on her skin. A hunger pang pulled her back to a certain reality and she realized that everything she had known was gone and that she should have to decide what to do with the rest of her life, even with the rest of the day. Survive, Anne. Just survive, she said to herself. She climbed down as low on the scaffold as she could and looked closely at where the red-orange crystals merged with the iron bars. The iron was perfectly encased, just like it was frozen in ice. She tried touching the crystal. It was cooler than the air. Satisfied that it was safe, she straightened and looked for a way down. The city below her was completely encased, and as she climbed and slid over the crystals, she saw her home warped and colored beneath her like a frozen aquarium. The gray light above her that filtered in through the crystals cast colored shadows as she went. It was a long climb from the scaffold to the outskirts of the city, but when she reached the edge of the crystals, she was still a long way off the ground. Then she saw that the river that was her namesake, the River Anne, was still flowing from underneath the growths of crystal. So she jumped. The River Anne carried her a short distance and left her beached just by the carcass of Gork. The ravens had returned, making it look like Gork itself was a giant feathered thing. She steered well clear of it, for fear of gorehounds, but looped back to the river to keep herself oriented. But when she came to the river again, she saw a person stooped over the near bank, leaning into the water to drink. He was wearing a fitted black robe and high black boots with the silver insignia of the Empire on his back. His leg was twisted unnaturally to the side, broken. She approached him quietly and squatted down a few meters away to watch. He slurped a few times at the river water, then swore. Bastards leave me behind. For what? Any idea what I'm worth, how much I've achieved? Bastards leave me behind. They're afraid of getting close to Gork, she said. He spun around, and there was a black paton in his hand, pointed at her. Where did you come from? He shouted. She nodded back over her shoulder at the remains of her city. Eston City? You survived that? 
she shrugged. You should be too. I should be what? Afraid of Golk. He laughed. I've dealt with greater. So that is Golk. The reports were greatly exaggerated. I thought it was some local titan. Well, I am sorry. I can't imagine what you must have gone through to survive the attack. Only to fall into my hands here. Poor girl. He tapped his thumb against the baton, and it began to hum. She was already talking. I'm the last person alive who can save your life, she said. What do you mean? He paused, baton still humming. She waved at the baton and gestured downwards. He lowered it slowly, and she said, When Gork fell, he poisoned the waters in the lands of Eston with his flesh. But Gork's works cannot harm his believers. That's one of his tenets. So I can drink all I want, but you've been dead since your first sip. His brows furrowed. You're lying. She shook her head. I saw it happen once. We had a war prisoner, a crashed gunner. We fed him our rations and wetted him with the water from our reservoirs, and he'll just... She ran her hands down her torso. Came off. Skin and everything. A few hours before, he said he felt like there were things crawling around in his heart. How long have you been drinking from there? The man's face went slack, and his free hand went to his chest. Oh, gods. I told you. You said you can save me. She nodded. If I tell you the words of worship and you say them, then you enter into Golk's covenant and his tenets will apply to you. In other words, he won't be able to harm you. Impossible. What if it betrays my current covenant? Don't do it if you don't want to. I'm just trying to save your life. Anyway, I thought Imperials didn't keep covenants. Didn't you enslave all your gods? He grunted. Fine. Tell me the words. Not yet. First you have to hand me that baton so you don't just kill me later. He swore and threw it over. How do you use it? She picked it up off the ground and tapped her thumb against it like she'd seen him do. Don't! He shouted. You don't even know what it is. It's a conductor's wand. You're the conductor who led the assault. I saw Golk knock your missionary ship down. Wait! Both his hands were raised towards her. Then you know how foolish it is to use it with your god so near. Well, then tell me how to use it properly. What were you about to do to me? He seemed about to protest, but then his hand gripped his chest and he retched. When he next spoke, he sounded weak. Tap thrice with your thumb in this rhythm. Exactly this rhythm. And don't point it at me. He clapped rhythmically until she nodded and, pointing the baton at the river's surface, she tapped out the rhythm. There was a pop, and she felt the wand vibrate, and a crater the size of a small house appeared in the surface of the river. The water filled in the gap with a crash, sending ripples against the current that quickly faded. She looked back at him. All that just to kill me. Please, the words. Fine. She recited them slowly, syllable by syllable, just as she had been taught. Salakman. That means to enslave. She shrugged. I don't know what it means, but that's it. Say it if you want. And she sent another blast from the wand into the water. He spoke the words as she had said them. His accent was sharper, his tone less monotonous, as if he knew the meanings of the words he was saying. When he was finished, he collapsed. What have I done?
he said to himself quietly. She shrugged and bent for a drink. What's your name? The conductor opened his eyes to find Anne leaning over him. You're back already? She nodded and dropped a handful of nuts and berries on his chest. Eat, and tell me your name. Bart. Are you sure these are good to eat? She nodded again. Nice to meet you, Bart. She was watching him closely. He popped a berry in his mouth and spat it out in disgust. They're horrible. Anne was grinning. That's because you have to say the grace before every meal. What you actually say isn't important. Just think about how grateful you are to Gork for providing for you and protecting you. What if I'm not grateful? Then you'll probably starve. A primitive god. She laughed. You're not making it any easier for yourself. He sighed deeply and began staring at a nut pinched in his thumb and forefinger. That's better, you'll see. Now, while I was out gathering those, I was thinking. She tapped the baton to her thigh as she spoke. If I'm the last survivor of Eston City, which thanks to you I almost definitely am, then you need me. He grimaced it but not look up from the nut. Because I am now the only person alive who knows Gork's covenant, which I should say is a very dangerous and complicated one. So not only do you need me alive, but you also need me to be cooperative. Of my own free will, because if you force me to tell you, I can easily tell you something wrong, and you'll end up without any arms or legs. That can actually happen, by the way. Ow! The little nut had gone whistling through the air and struck her on the forehead. The conductor was glaring, fist clenched by his sides, the pile of nuts and fruits lying forgotten in his lap. Girl, what do you think you're playing at? He shouted at her. Who do you think I am? You think you can trap me in the formalities of some primitive backwater covenant? I who have bound gods. He was digging his nails into his palms so hard his knuckles were white, his teeth were gritted, his shoulders hunched, eyes wild. What sort of little freak are you anyway, huh? Don't you care that everybody you ever loved is dead? Your home is laid waste, parents and friends. He stopped short. The baton was leveled at him, clenched tight in Anne's fist. The air hummed. He froze. That, she said flatly, is none of your business. When he said nothing, she continued. You can try to worm your way out of Gork's covenant if you like. I've seen that before, too, and it's like you said. Gork really is a primitive god. But you're welcome to try. Because as I was about to say, you need me, but I don't need anything from you. You little peasant, he spat. And in fact, she went on, you might consider yourself lucky that I'm taking everything so well. Otherwise, I might be devastated, and I might be very angry at the person who single-handedly destroyed everyone I ever loved. She tapped the baton with a thumb. So while you're sitting there thanking Gork for those nuts that I found for you, why don't you thank me as well for letting you keep your miserable life? He was silent, quivering with rage. Then he breathed deeply, and all signs of anger were gone. Silently, he sat, picked up another nut, and began staring at it again. Anne lowered her baton. Great. Now, I want you to teach me to be a conductor. What? Bart stared at her, the nut once more falling to the floor. Yes, you don't have to, but then again, 
If you're not doing something for me, I don't really have a reason to keep you alive. Think about it. I'm going to get us some more lunch. And she marched back into the forest. Anne was crouched by one of her favorite mushroom spots, picking it bare. There was no point in leaving anything behind. She did not intend to be coming this way again. Hey! Hey, you! Uh, Anne! She spun around, baton pointed towards the sound. Anne, is that you? That is you, isn't it? God, I haven't seen you since Temple. You disappeared for years and now you're here of all places. A young man, only slightly older than Anne herself, was picking his way through the brush towards her. It's Damien. Do you remember me? She lowered the baton. God, Damien, are you okay? How did you make it out of the city? As he drew closer, she saw that he had been crying. He smiled weakly. My shelter was full. I thought I'd try to get as far outside the city as possible, and I guess it worked. You? Oh, I was just lucky. What do we do now? I was thinking of heading to Hetsum, but what's the point? Will they even take us in? I don't know. I can't believe this is happening. It was only a matter of time, she said. He stared at her. I... I guess it was. Did your family make it out with you? I'm sorry for asking. It's just... No. He glanced down at his feet. Nor mine. The words caught in his throat and he was quiet for a moment. So, he said gently, you're alone. No, I'm not. You're not? Well, that's great news. We can all go to Hetsum. God, I'm honestly so relieved to see you, Anne. Y you can't come with us. He laughed weakly. What do you mean I can't? I mean you can't. What do you mean I can't? We're the last survivors of Eston. What are we supposed to do? So nobody else made it out with you? I... No. No, just me. But before the six hundred eyes of all loving Gulk, I challenge you, brother of my covenant, to mortal contest. Arm yourself or submit to my will. What? What? Arm yourself or submit to my will. She raised her baton. Your will? You're insane. I will do neither. What is that? She tapped the baton, and the air rippled. There was a pop, and a clean hole was torn through the forest. Trunks began to collapse on themselves where the baton had blasted through them. Damien's shins were all that were left of him, and they flopped to the ground and began to bubble out blood from the clean cut below where his knees used to be. She bent to pluck the last of the mushrooms before the blood got to them. By the riverbank, Bart lay prostrate before a hole in the air. I do not like to share, Bart, said the hole. Its whispers were like itself, existing only in the negative, an absence of sound in the shape of words. Forgive me. I had only your interests at heart. Of course.
of course. That savage's stench is displeasing to me, and the girl is returning. And the hole blinked closed. What are you doing on your face like that? Anne cried out from the tree line. Bart didn't reply. When she drew close, he said, We should leave, get away from this corpse, to Aklan. She shook her head. You'll never make it to Aklan with that leg. We're going to Hetzen. It's much closer. I've never heard of it. I bet you haven't. Hetzen is hidden. That's why it's still standing. Probably. Bart grunted. Which way? She dropped a sturdy walking stick down onto the ground by where he lay. So, it's my first day of conductor training. What did you learn on your first day? It's not that simple. Do you want to get to Hetzem or not? He sighed deeply. Then he grabbed the walking stick and stood with some difficulty. Conducting is not one art, but a synthesis of many. We start with music theory and mathematics. Well, this story has left us with more questions than it answered. You and me both. Who is the hole in the air? The whispering voice. Why did Anne kill poor Damien? Where is Hetzem? How is it hidden? There's a lot more of this world to explore. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, if you have any questions about any elements of this world, or if you'd like to follow up with a part three, just let me know on either our Instagram or send me an email at pleasesendcampfires at gmail.com. It's always a pleasure having you here, and one last time, thank you very much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next time around the campfire.